The reading from today is taken from 1 Corinthians 13 and, well, end of 1 Corinthians 12. And if you don't know where that is, that's on page 1154. You don't know where that is. And yet I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast. It is not proud, it does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will seize. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you so much, Rory, for reading that passage so well for us. That's an inspiring word of God. You know, one of the amazing things that happens when we become followers of Jesus is that we realize that we are not our own. We belong to him. And our greatest joy is to know him and to love him and to serve him and to know, love, and serve all those that he sends into our lives. And that really is, that service, that, that looking after one another within the body of Christ is what this series is about. It's a, a mini-series on Sunday evenings and all the, the teaching is taken from uh, the, uh, the first the chapters uh, 12, 13, and 14 of the first letter of, to, to the Corinthian church. Um, and it's just as relevant, in fact, when I think about it, to the 21st century church in Blackheath. Well, here we are. The first message was delivered by Victoria two weeks ago where she talked about how the Holy Spirit gives gifts to, to diff, different ones of us. And these gifts are not given to us for our own purpose, but for the, the blessing of the whole church and for the growth of the whole church. Last week, Richard spoke about the parts of the body, that's you and me, fitting together within the church, all playing our part. And today, Paul answers the question, well, what is needed if the, the body and the, the, the gifts and everything are going to work well for the building up of the church? What is needed? And, you know, <clears throat> 2,000 years before the Beatles ever thought of it, 
uh, he said, all you need is love. We're not going to sing it now. <laughs> Anyhow, <laughs> but it sounds so simple, doesn't it? It sounds so simple. All you need is love. But, you know, not all of us are 100% sure of what, what love is. What does real love look like? I mean, you may have grown up in a family where there was no model, no good model of love. You have grown up as a young person con very confused about love and sex. You may have found it difficult to sustain long-term relationships. And you may have ended up wondering, well, I wonder if love actually exists. And if it exists, what does genuine love look like? Well, that's what Paul sets out to do in this reading. And he does it in a, this wonderful chapter, which is greatly loved, one of the best-known chapters that Rory's just read to us. <clears throat> it's often read out at weddings, and it is so popular. It is, in fact, many people consider it to be the God's handbook for love. So we, we need to pay close attention to it. And you know, Paul gives us 15 marks of genuine love. Well, that's too many for us to deal with tonight, so I've put them under four headings. And those headings are Love's generosity, love's patience, love's generosity, love's humility, and love's staying power. Staying power, which is clumsy, isn't it? But I couldn't find a better term. Anyhow, before we explore this, let's just pray for a moment. Heavenly Father, if tonight you have something that you want to speak to us, a personal word for each of us, then please open our ears and open our hearts that we may receive what you have to say. Well, let's start with patience. Now, the, our reading says, love is not easily is patient, it is not easily angered. Um, what does that mean? <clears throat> well, if you were to ask me, Louis, uh, do you love your grandchildren? I'd say, what a silly question. Of course I love my grandchildren. But if you were to say to me, but follow-up question, but Louis, are you always very patient with your grandchildren? Then I'd have to think twice and say, oh, um, well, maybe I could be just a little bit better in that area. So <sighs> patience is... is so, the, the, we, so as we talk about patience... Uh, Jesus says, well, what about anger? Are we, are we easily angered? Are we, what is it that makes us impatient? You know? And the fault of many people, are you prickly? Are you angry? You know? Am I patient? Am I, am I, you know, one of the abiding faults of many really wonderful people is that they're quite prickly. It is uh, some of the most valued people in, in a congregation, a church, are people that, you know, we kind of, skirt around carefully because they are prickly and, we, and you, we're kind of afraid that we're going to set them off. They've got a short fuse. You know. So what, 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 what is the answer to that? Well, 1 Corinthians says, ask yourself, you know, are you easily angered? Are you, do you have a short fuse? Um, do those around you tiptoe around you lest they, they're afraid that you're going to they're going to say something that will set you off. You know? And if the answer to any of these questions is yes, 
then ask the Lord to take away that sort of prickliness inside you, that short temper, that irritation, that, uh, and turn you into the sort of person that uh, will make people happy when you come. You know, they say all of us are capable of making other people very happy, either by our, our coming or by our going. And <laughs> so we need to pray, you and I, that we will be the sort of people that, are, that are, where our friends and everybody else is happier at, at our arrival than at our departure. But what about generosity? That's the second point. Generosity is our second heading. And uh, if, supposing there was a survey here, that uh, online survey, we were all asked to fill it in, it's totally anonymous, and one of the questions was, do you love your church? And I think the overwhelming majority of us would say, oh yes, we love this church. But what if the second question was, well, are you really generous to St. John's Church? I think there would be a variety of answers to that question. You see, generosity, actually, is about, as explained by St. Paul, is far more than just about money and time. It is also a generosity of attitudes. It's a, a generosity of spirit. It's a generosity in the way that we speak to one another. It's a generosity in the way we speak about one another. It is a generosity in the way that we listen to one another. Generosity is kindness also. It is, uh, it is being together and being kind when we come together. You know, it says love is kind, love does not envy, love does not uh, uh, dishonor other people. Love keeps no record of ills, of, of, of wrongs. It, love is, it rejoices in the truth. Love does not envy. Now, that is a really, really tricky one. I think a lot of us struggle with that. You see, and the reason is that it is so, we think it's, maybe that's quite a small thing, you know. So I envy somebody, so what? But, you know, it's, it's a big deal. Envying is one of the Ten Commandments. It's forbidden by one of the commandments of the Ten. You know? And the reason for that is that whatever you do and wherever you are, there, was, there will always be somebody better than you. You know, if you're, if you're a, a wonderful sportsman, there will always be someone who plays your sport better than you do. If you're a wonderful musician, outstanding there will always be someone who plays your instrument better than you do. If you're an outstanding student, there will always be someone who gets better marks than you do. And whatever business or whatever profession you're in, there will always be those who do exactly the same thing as you do, but somehow more successful. They've risen higher, they earn more money. And so how are you going to handle that? Are you going to you know, are you going to, is it, is the success of those around you that you see, is it going to make you bitter or is it going to make you better? That's the question. You know, are you going to celebrate the success of those around you? Or are you going to, and, and thank God for the gifts he's given them and so on, or are you going to say, Lord, why didn't you do that for me? You know, Romans, there's a chapter, a paragraph in Romans, a verse that's uh, chapter 12 and verse 15 that says, Rejoice with those who rejoice 
and weep with those who weep. Now, in my experience, most of us are far better at weeping with those who weep than rejoicing with those who are reveling in their success. Paul says, love does not envy. But how do we not do so? Well, for a start, you can thank God for who you are. You You can develop, you can recognize that you are unique. You know, Victoria talked about each person being totally unique in the gifts we receive. We all have different ways. Each one of us is a one-off. Each one of us is a, is a, a unique combination of gifts and attributes that no one else has. In fact, my daughter has got a very nice, my eldest daughter has got this plaque on her wall, which is a quote from Dr. Seuss. It says, today you are you, today you are you. Today you are truer than true. There is no one alive who is truer than you. That's Dr. Seuss. But the gospel says, really, and the Bible tells us, and we know that we are made in God's image, but made different from one another with different skills and talents. And we are called to develop an attitude of gratitude. You know, not, not to sulk at the, at, at the result of, of our, at our lives, but to be happy with what we have been given. So, you know, we're called to thank God for what he's given us and not berate him for what he has not given us. One of uh, the great differences between believers and unbelievers is that a believer thanks God for everything and blames him for nothing. An unbeliever blames God for everything and thanks him for nothing. When our children were little, um, Victoria used to talk to them about, you know, the challenges they faced. And she had a little expression. She said, you don't have to be the best to be good enough. And when it comes to being the, the eyes and the hands of Jesus in any situation of need, the good enough disciple is far more precious than the, who, the good enough disciple who's available is far more precious than the, the best disciple who is far away and unavailable. And then what about kindness? Love is kind, it says. Um, now, kindness, you may be familiar with that saying that says, if you want to please your Father in heaven, be kind to his children on earth. And uh, we all know that we can make someone's day by being kind, by a kind word, and by an unkind word, we can ruin their day. Closely linked to kindness is generosity, is, is courtesy. You know, courtesy and kindness go together. Uh, someone once said that courtesy is the oil in the machine of relationships. When it is lacking, the machine grinds and eventually grinds to a halt. At its simplest, at its very simplest, courtesy is remembering to say thank you, to say please, to say I'm sorry, to say well done. How often we, we fail to do that. In fact, we're often least kind to those that are closest to us. 
how often we speak to them in ways that we would not speak to anyone else. Love is not rude. Love does not rudeness. One, of the trans- one translation of love does not dishonor is love is not rude. And one of the worst ways that you can dishonor another human being is by making jokes about them, by what we call negative humor. Um, that's an awful thing to do. And the reason it, it is awful is because it dishonors the other person. Um, I once preached a whole sermon on negative humor. I won't give you any examples because I once preached a whole sermon on it which was peppered with examples of the appalling and cruel things that husbands and wives say to each other. And um, I, at, the, at the end of the service, to my shame, every, the, the congregation was in stritch, stitches, but afterwards I discovered to my shame that everyone remembered the jokes and no one remembered the message. So I thought, well, I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> You know, if you find yourself uh, wondering why the flame of love that once burned so brightly in a relationship has now been extinguished, a good place to start looking is in the whole area of speech, in the whole area of the way that the two have spoken, speak to one another. And what about listening? The flip side of speaking is listening. And um, listening, love's generosity in listening is just so important. And, you know, I often think about that. I mean, it's one I've struggled with all my life. In fact, if you were to interview Victoria about my listening skills, uh, I'm sure she'd say some very kind things about me first, but then she might just confess to you or admit to you in strict confidence, of course, that... um, my ability, my skill in listening to attentively and without distractions to every word she has to say is still, I still have a way to go there. You know? <laughs> the um, listening to another person, listening to them attentively is a way of saying, <clears throat> I'm interested in you. I'm interested in what you're thinking. I want to hear what you have to say to me before I jump in with what I have to say to you. And that brings us to the next heading, which is humility. A lot of this is about humility, actually. Love, is, love does not boast. It is not proud. It is not self-seeking. The word boast, by the way, is translated from a New Testament word, uh, which, uh, which means puffed up, or uh, a New Testament Greek word, which is puffed up or self-important or pompous. Um, In Luke 14, uh, chapter 14 and verse 11, Jesus says to a group of rather puffed-up Pharisees, those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Pride, boastfulness, self-importance, self-centeredness, self we're just being closed in, thinking about yourself all the time, actually prevents you, makes you insensitive to the needs of those around you. Um, Anyone who's been through a long period of illness or who's had a bereavement will tell you a story, 
I'll tell you maybe several stories about people who've come to visit them, who spent the entire visit uh, talking about their own aches and pains. Reading, rereading 1 Corinthians 13, we should ask ourselves, Lord, am I sensitive to others? Am I over-preoccupied with myself? Am I really showing interest in the other person? You know, genuine love begets self-forgetfulness. And self-forgetfulness begets more generous love. And then finally, we come to staying power. The fourth and last of our headings is really taken from Paul's words where, I don't know if you've noticed the word always. He says, when Rory read it, love always protects, love always always uh, trusts, it always perseveres, always, always, always. You know, we're all capable of the odd grand gesture. We're all capable of being wonderful for, for short periods of time. But, um, you know, the, today, uh, patience, we, 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 to practice, to practice that sort of love's patience, Love's generosity and love's humility has, has got to be ongoing. It's got to happen every day. And we've got to work at it every day until sooner or later, maybe sooner in many of our cases, I know how good people we all are, it becomes part of our character. It becomes part of our nature to practice that, that love of patience, that, that patience, that, that generosity and that humility that marks, are the marks of a, of a Christian life. <clears throat> well, I, I could go on and say an awful lot more. In fact, I had so much more to say to you, but I'm running out of time, and I don't want to be hauled off from here. So I, I'll just finish quickly by giving you three ways of using, of applying to your own life, and of applying the, the, this, this teaching, this wonderful teaching of 1 Corinthians 13. You can use it first as a mirror, in which to see yourself as you really are. Secondly, you can use this passage to strengthen your faith. And thirdly, you can use it to find peace in your soul. In what sense is it a mirror? Well, the Bible describes itself as a mirror because it's not so much a book that you read as a book that reads you. And this, this is nowhere more true than in this passage of 1 Corinthians 13. You think you're a good Christian, and then you examine yourself against, against 1 Corinthians 13. You say, well, and you ask yourself, am I really patient? Am I kind? Am I free from envy? And so on. You just go through the list. And then you can use it to strengthen your faith. Now, the idea of 1 Corinthians 13, when you measure yourself against it's not to beat yourself up, but to, as I said, strengthen your faith, to know something. There's something you need to know. You need to know that the basic message of Christianity, you know this, the basic message of Christianity is not, your life is a mess, you're a mess, clean yourself up. The message of Christianity is, yes, you're a mess, but if you let him, Jesus will clean you up. I began by saying, you are not your own. 
I want to end by saying you're not alone. You, you have a Father in heaven who loves you, whose eternal love is unending for you. You have a Savior who died for you so that you could live and be free from the burdens of your sins. You have a Holy Spirit who will guide you through all the ins and outs and ups and downs of your life and give you wisdom, give you strength. And one other thing which is so important, to realize that he's gone before you. You don't have to chase God. God has gone ahead of you. You know, it, it says, one, a very famous passage, Romans 5, 8, says that, you know, uh, God <clears throat> God's, demonstrates his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for our sins. Isn't that a wonderful passage? And what about peace for your soul? You know, we all want peace. We talk about peace, we pray about peace, but how do you get peace for your soul? Well, there's a famous prayer of St. Augustine, you probably know it, which, which is, is our hearts remain restless until they find their rest in you. You can find peace for your soul when you meditate on the Father, your Father in heaven, his constancy and what he's done for you in sending his son Jesus to you into the world. You can think of Jesus' long suffering. He hung on the cross. He could have come down, but he stayed there for your salvation. You can meditate about and think about his patience with you. You know, how he's provided for you and, and looked after you through all the ins and outs of your life. And, um, you know, and you'll know for yourself that God has, has been there. He's in his abounding love. He's patient with you. And he knows all about you. He knows that, uh, you know, he knows that all that you've done and he knows all about your sins and your transgressions and all the rest of it. But he's given you a way out. He says, look, when you turn to me, when you ask for forgiveness and repentance, uh, you know, your sins are canceled. You know, I will no longer remember them. Let go of them because I've forgotten them, so, sh so should you. And think about his generosity. Think how God has provided for you through, through life, how he's met your needs. He may have not met all your greeds, but he's met all your needs. And think of Jesus' humility. Think how he who created the universe came down in human form, took your body, your, our bo took on our human bodies, uh, and gave up his glory so that we could have his glory could be ours. And think about his kindness. Think about when little children came, approached him, the disciples wanted to send them off packing, but Jesus rebuked the disciples and said, no, let the little children come to me. He, you know, he's had time for them. I have time for these children, he said, you know. And he's got time for you. The, the creator of the universe has got time to you. He's listening to your voice. We, that, that's amazing. It's wonderful. And those of us who've experienced a listening God are just overwhelmed by, by his goodness. And think of his staying power. Think of, of 
he says to you, look, I've gone before you. I've, I've, I've always been there for you. You know, I'm with you down, the, down through the ages, through all the ups and downs of your life, ins and outs, all the struggles. I've been there with you. You know, and he, in fact, one of the last things that Jesus said to his disciples before he ascended to heaven and he says it to us now, he says, behold, I'm with you. Always, to the end of time. <clears throat> and as you reflect on these things, as you reflect on the contents of 1 Corinthians 13 and what God has to say to us through those words, your capacity to love and serve um, God, to know, to know him, to love him and to serve him, and your capacity to know and love and serve his, his children on earth will increase, it will just grow. So let's just pray. Father God, we thank you that you've given us your word to guide us, to inspire us, to encourage us, to strengthen us. And we pray, Lord, that each of us here may become the sort of person that will live for you and rejoice and get their greatest happiness in knowing, loving, and serving you and knowing and loving and serving our brothers and sisters. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.